Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of The Storybox, where I, your host, Jay Phantom, has the utmost privilege and honor to unbox the amazing stories of some incredible people from all walks of life and experiences. I'm delighted and grateful that you're here today. Now let's dive into the story box and hear more about our guest today. power of persistence is so important. I think a lot of you would have heard me said on the podcast, be persistent to remain consistent. And my next guest exemplifies this in his own life. David Meltzer is the co-founder of Sports One Marketing and formerly served as CEO of the renowned Lee Steinberg Sports and Entertainment Agency, which was the inspiration for the famous movie starring Tom Cruise, Jerry Maguire. His life mission is to empower over 1 billion people to be happy. My mission is to make as many people, I want to reach every single person on this planet to make them realize through stories that they are worth more than they ever knew or were told. David has a simple yet powerful mission that has led him on a journey to provide one thing, value in all his content and communication, and I guarantee you that's exactly what you guys are going to receive in this story uh, with David Meltzer. He is also a three-time international best-selling author, a top 100 business coach, the executive producer of Entrepreneur's number one digital business show, The Elevator Pitch, and host of the top top entrepreneur podcast, The Playbook. His latest book, Game Time Decision Making, was a number one release And David has been recognized by Variety Magazine as a Sports Humanitarian of the Year and has been awarded the Ellis Island Medal of Honor. David has been featured in Inc. Magazine, ESPN, TEDx, Yahoo Sports, The Huffington Post, NBC Sports, South by Southwest, Entrepreneur, Forbes, Variety, Bloomberg, just to name a few. David likes to associate himself with influential CEOs, sports icons, successful entrepreneurs such as Gary Vee, Maria Sharapova, Tillman Fertitta, the owner of the Houston Rockets, Tony Hawk, just to name a few. I guarantee you all are going to get something from David's story. It's challenging, it's inspiring, it's motivating, and there's a lot of educational thoughts and messages in this interview with David. So without me going on, let's dive into the story box and hear David Meltzer's story. 
God, thanks for having me on the storybook. Looking forward to telling some stories. Absolute pleasure to have you here. And before we get stuck into, I guess, your backstory and why you do what you do, I have one question that I love asking people first, and that is, what is your definition of success? That's easy for me. My definition of success is enjoying the consistent every day, persistent without quit pursuit of my potential. Mm -hmm. So success is formulated by attaching my emotions to the pursuit of certain potentials and those potentials can change every day. But that is success for me. If I can enjoy the pursuit every single day of my life, I am extremely successful. The thermostat of my life as is for you is happiness, not my bank account. Mm, I like that. So where did this idea of success come from for you? Was it like a gradual thing over time that you sort of realized it or was it like there a catalyst moment for you? Well, I think everything's gradual and it's just that our senses and our memories can't pick up on the incremental acceleration and growth that we experience through the lessons and the stories that we're living. Uh, so my evolution, there was certain catalytic events. I can point out three catalytic events in my journey that shifted my perspective mm. uh, from the thermostat of money into the thermostat of happiness. Mm. Uh, but I always thought money bought happiness and love. And through my journey growing up poor and living in a world of not enough, and then being a millionaire nine months out of law school and living in a world of just enough, just enough for me, very filled life, buying things I don't need and impressing people I didn't like. Uh, but three catalytic events occurred in my life that allowed me to shift the paradigm from money buying happiness and love and shifting to the enjoyment of the consistent, persistent mm. pursuit of my happiness, of my potential. Mm, that's interesting that you say that money doesn't buy happiness. Why do you think for you that it didn't buy you happiness? Because you grew up poor, you didn't have much, and then you got stuff. Why do you think it didn't really satisfy you? You know, because in the end, there's always more money. So for me, it was shifting into a world of more than enough, more than enough of everything for everyone, no matter how much money I had, there always would be more. So I think money is extremely important. In fact, my trademark tagline, my mission of a business is if you're going to be in business, it should be about making a lot of money to help a lot of people mm. and have a lot of fun. I wrote a book called Compassionate Capitalism based on this trademark you know, sentence of mine. So here's what I realized about money in conjunction with the pursuit of my happiness, the pursuit of, and happiness is the pursuit, by the way, the pursuit of my potential. Mm. What I've learned is money doesn't buy happiness, but it allows you to shop. Mm. And if you shop for the right things, you're going to be happy. So I started shopping for community centers in Africa and scholarships for kids to go to college and mm. supporting my own family and other community members and my state, my country, and the world. And when I started shopping for the right things, money then allowed me to be happy. If I shopped for the wrong things like I did when I was extremely wealthy, uh, I wasn't so happy. Mm, mm. It's very interesting, that that actual thought process, I think. Because a lot of young people, I don't know what it's like in, in America, but for Australians, we don't like talking about money. It's like one of those topics of conversation that sort of we're very closed off to for some reason. It's almost like there's this negative stigma or energy around this conversation of money because we're so closed off to, oh, I don't want to talk about how much money I have in my bank account or I don't want to talk about what money does to me or how it affects other people. We just don't want to talk about it at all. So whenever I bring up that conversation of why doesn't money satisfy you, they're, they're sort of like, nah, I'm not going to 
talk about it. They brush off the question. So it's interesting how there's different perspectives for different cultures as well, which I, I find very interesting. So I have one question that I've only asked, I think about five people now. Um, it's it's quite an interesting question because I've, I've been told that it you have to unpack it a little bit, but it's basically what was one lesson that you learned when you earned your first million? Wow. You know, that's great. I love, you know, I do a lot of interviews. So when someone asks me a question I haven't had, I, I love, I love it. Um, I think you actually have to make me think usually I wrap them off. <laughs> the first lesson about a million dollars, um, was probably the wrong lesson. Uh, when I made my first million dollars, uh, I, the, the lesson that I learned was money does buy happiness and love. I bought my mom a house and a car. I paid off my law loans. Uh, I had worked hard and smart in order to effectuate a dream. Um, and at that time, 24 years old, uh, I thought I knew everything. And so I was actually the first million I made, I was learning all the ego based lessons. You know, I had a separation that I was superior, uh, that I was Midas, that money could buy me happiness and love everything that I was wrong about as I got older, those lessons, those were the ones I was learning the wrong lessons, uh, just setting me up for greater lessons and greater stories, uh, as I journeyed into multimillionairehood, uh, and then eventually losing over a hundred million dollars and then making it back, of course, over the last 13. Wow. So talk to me a little bit about your journey. And so you, you, you mentioned that you went to law school. Why did you decide to go to law, law school in the first place? Well, everything I decided to do up until I made my first million was I wanted to buy my mom a house and a car. Oh. I wanted to be rich. Mm. So my mom had a saying, doctor, lawyer, or failure. So when I, uh, my dream was killed in college of being a professional football player, uh, but I got ran over my freshman year. I just wasn't good enough. I decided to go to med school, uh, immediately realized that doctors had to go to hospitals and hate hospitals. I immediately switched to being a lawyer just for the money. I went to the highest paying, uh, law school, meaning the one that paid the most out of law school being oil and gas litigator. And I ended up actually taking a sales job because it paid more money than being an oil and gas litigator in the internet. So one lesson I learned before a few of these lessons before I was a millionaire was one, uh, be more interested than interesting. Mm. Uh, when I decided not to be a doctor, I really realized I can't go through life just, you know, being interested, interesting. I have to be interested. I got to do my due diligence, find out the capabilities, skills, knowledge, and desire that's aligned with my values for the profession that I wanted to make a lot of money in. Mm. Two, when I decided to be a sales rep, I made a really critical decision that changed my life. I realized that just because my mom loved me doesn't mean she gave me good advice. She actually told me that the internet was a fat and I should <laughs> not take the sales job. The internet. And so I started to vote at 24 years old. I started to vote for what I wanted, not for what my mommy wanted. Now it doesn't mean I don't love my mom. I still appreciate her advice. I still call it and give her every day letting her know I'm happy, healthy, that I'm appreciative and love her. But I don't take her advice about things she doesn't know about. I take uh, parenting advice from her because she's the greatest parent I've ever met still to this day, mm. raising six kids to extreme happiness and health. But uh, she's not a good business person. And you should not. Uh, <laughs> uh, so that relationship, uh, you know, from law school, 
I took the sales job. And from that journey, I just continued to make a lot of money. Uh, the company I worked for sold for $3.4 billion in 1995. I then went to the Silicon Valley, enhancing my sales skills into a superpower called the ability to raise money, both for philanthropy and for business. Uh, and so I ended up being the CEO of Samsung's first phone division. Uh, the PCE phone was the world's first. I, I actually got to do uh, Comdex down in Melbourne, in Sydney wow. in 1999. We won best of Comdex, best gadget or handheld, I forget what they called it, but it was a Windows CE device. Uh, it was way too early, way too expensive at the time. Uh, now they're more expensive, they're bigger. And uh, we were just, 20, we were 20 years too early. Um, <laughs> but uh, I was a multimillionaire in my 30s, real estate, stocks, everything that I touched, uh, it just reinforced that same lesson kept coming from the girl that I married to the girl that I broke up with. And I broke up, with, I, I got engaged in law school to a really rich girl. And then I broke up with her when I made my own money and I married my dream girl from fourth grade. Like everything just reinforced. It must be the money. It must be the money. I'm happy because of the money. Uh, and then it all came uh, to a reality. Two years ago, before I lost everything is when I went through the catalytic shift that money doesn't buy love. Wow. So how did you end up losing all that money and what did that actually teach you? Did it make you more hungry to get it back or what did it do for you? So for, for me, money, um, uh, I lost everything because of my ego and I had three, three events that occurred in my life uh, that I think will indicate what happened. When I was 30 years old, six years before I went through my quantum shift, let's call it, <laughs> uh, my dad, uh, gave me the first birthday present in 20 years. My dad had left when I was five. He was my hero. Mm. By the time I was 10, he forgot my birthday and went from hero to zero. And what made it worse than forgetting my birthday is he lied to me and said he didn't forget my birthday. He just didn't believe in birthdays. And so I realized at 10 years old, it broke my heart that my dad was a liar, a cheater, a manipulator. My dad wasn't giving us child support. And so for 20 years, I've had a estranged relationship. Um, he barely showed up to my law school graduation. Just a, he, he, at my wedding, he almost didn't show up at my wedding. Just a variety of things. But for my 30th birthday, he sent me a sport coat. And it fit perfectly. And when I put it on, I started to cry. My wife said, why are you crying? I said, wow, my dad finally gets it. Mm. And you know, I thought, wow, this is going to be a change in our relationship. One in which I wanted, I'd grown up knowing you only get one father and I extremely wanted to reunite with my dad. I wanted to have a real relationship with him. Well, I opened the jacket up, he had torn all the pockets out of my jacket. Oh. And so I called him, I was furious. I said, why are you punishing me? He said, what are you talking about? I said, I got your birthday present. Why are you punishing me? You gave me a jacket I can't wear. He said, it's not for wearing. I want you to hang it in your closet. And I want you to be buried in that jacket. And I'm like, is that a joke? You sent me a jacket to be buried in with no pockets? He said, no, I wanted to sit there and remind you, you can't take anything with you when you're gone. Mm. You're not going to be the richest man in the cemetery. You remind me of myself and I don't want you to be like me. Wow. I made some huge mistakes. Money's not, not, money's not the thermostat of life. You've got to be happy. And I said to him, you know, F you. I'm nothing like you. You're a liar, a cheater, manipulate. I didn't understand. I was so lost in my own ego. Mm -hmm. I told him to F off and I hung the jacket in the closet. Six years later, I'm uh, running Lee Steinberg Sports Entertainment, which is the most notable sports agency in the world. 
Mm. I am surrounded by the biggest athlete celebrities, big wealth all around me. And I asked my best friend, Rob, uh, who in the sixth grade, he's the one that asked my wife to go steady uh, for me at sixth grade. Camp. And she said, no, tell him to ask me himself. And so I threw an, <laughs> I threw an egg at her. That's why I thought money buys love. Cause she ended up marrying me by 30. Um, <laughs> but she hated me when I was a kid. So Rob and I were really close friends, obviously, but he stopped hanging out with me. I went to play golf with him and I asked him, you know, why, why aren't you hanging out with me anymore? He's like, I don't like who you hang out with. Mm. And I don't like what you guys are doing. And I said, well, well, I'm not doing what those guys are doing. You should come out. I'm not doing what those guys. He said, Dave, you can lie to me, but don't lie to yourself. Yeah. And I went home crying today. Then two weeks later is when my life changed. I came home at 5.30 in the morning, intoxicated, high. I was partying at the Grammy Awards in America with a famous rapper named Little John. And uh, I had lied to my wife. I told her I was going to a business meeting and I ended up changing clothes in the car and partying. So when I came home for the first time in my marriage, uh, you know, beautiful home, cars, everything you could ever dream of, my wife told me she wasn't happy and that I better take stock in who I was and what I wanted to become or she was going to leave me. And she was most afraid that I'd end up dead. I got mad at her. You know, I said, how dare you? Look around you. Do you know who you're talking to? How dare you talk to me this way? After everything I've done for you, you're going to tell me you're not happy? Are you kidding me? So I went to bed. I woke up in the morning even more mad and hungover. Mm. So I, I woke up. I'm thinking I'm going to get divorced. I'm going to take everything I have. I live in a world of just enough, just enough for me. And I got you know three beautiful daughters, young, and I'm just so furious thinking, what friend of mine should I call to be my lawyer? You know, I can't believe how offended I was. You know, mm. all these needs of the ego. I was so lost. And then... I look over in my closet and guess what's shining at me six oh, years later that's wow. in there, that jacket. And I looked at it and I realized and I still get choked up today. Mm. I looked at him like, I'm just like my dad. Mm. I am a liar. I'm a cheater, a manipulator, overseller, back end seller. And I, I better take stock in who I am because I don't want to end up like that. That jacket, I got so mad. That jacket saved my life and so did my wife. And I did. I took stock in who I was that day. And I've lived by an outline. I wrote a book about it, uh, but I've lived by an outline of, of key values of gratitude. I don't live a day without saying thank you for everything I have. I don't live a day without trying to find the light, the love, and the lessons. I don't care about COVID. I don't care about any type of outside forces in my life. I will find the light, the love, and the lesson in everything that happens to me. Uh, forgiveness. I, I forgive myself every day for being who I am the hypocrite, the, the growth that I'm going to experience. And I forgive everyone else. I can only give what I have and I allow it to come through me. I live with accountability. Mm. I ask myself two questions every day. What did I do to attract this to myself? And what am I supposed to learn from it? Mm. And then finally, what I call effective communication or inspiration. I know how much power, light, love, and lessons that I'm always connected to. And if I'm creating any type of interference or corrosion to that connection, that's when I stop, drop, and roll. That's what I'm supposed to do is suck in and allow as much power, light, and lessons, more stories and lessons that come through me with appreciation, gratitude, and adding value and connect me to everybody else and clear those connections as well. So this is where my mission in life started. 
to empower over a billion people to be happy. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking for, you know, um, a thousand people like you, Jared, mm-hmm. that will empower another thousand to empower another thousand, a thousand times a thousand, a million, a million times a thousand, a billion. And I know when I came up with the idea to create a collective consciousness on earth, a collective consciousness of abundance of more than enough of everyone for everyone to teach them gratitude, forgiveness, accountability, and inspiration. I thought, man, people are going to think I'm crazy. But then I did the math. Mm -hmm. I connected the dots backwards. And I said, you know what? There's more than a thousand Jared's in the world that are capable of a thousand. And it's not that hard. We just got to take our time Mm -hmm. and we have to empower and take our time to teach people and to care about them and to let them find the light, the love and the lessons and everything. Because if we can create this collective consciousness, everything will change. An abundant world is a world of more than enough, more than enough of everything for everyone. And most importantly, happiness. Happiness is the best disease in the world. It is so viral, Jared, that we can spread it just by witnessing it. And it will strengthen your immune system. It will kick COVID's ass. Happiness is an incredible energy, an incredible light, an incredible lesson. And that's the journey that I'm on. That's how it occurred. More than happy to answer any other questions you may have. Wow, that's amazing. That's a very powerful story, and I appreciate you sharing it as well. It inspires me because I resonate with that one billion people. I want to reach as many people as I possibly can through this powerful medium of story because story changes lives. And I appreciate you for sharing that story because I know a lot of people are going to get quite a lot from it and and feel valued and and it's interesting how you said that happiness is like a disease it's contagious and all you need to do is sometimes smile at people it's amazing what a smile can do so i'm curious to know uh this difference between happiness and joy so is it are there any differences or are they or can they be sort of linked with one another that's a great question as well, because a lot of people like the word joy better than happiness. Mm. Uh, they think joy, it's kind of the difference between motivation and inspiration. I, I've distinguished between the two. Not everybody does. Everybody defines things differently. Motivation to me is get, getting you excited and getting you up. Inspiration takes you there for a lifetime. Mm. Uh, I think for me, happiness gets you up. Joy takes you there for a lifetime. That's good. Uh, and so happiness is those first steps that lead to an over-encompassing joy. Uh, in my case, though, you know, the, most people resonate as you're teaching. You you learn uh, to use certain phrases, words, et cetera, because you want to hit a larger spectrum. Mm. And so sometimes you'll, you'll, you know, especially when you have hundreds of thousands, if not millions of people a week, that are engaging with you and you use, you use the wrong word. It's really funny because I don't want to spend uh, my time in the nuances between the two words. So I use sometimes <laughs> easier work because everybody gets happiness and they're like, why do you say joy? So I, that's why I was laughing at that. Yeah, man. It, it's honestly like, I, I find that gratitude is like the ultimate stem of happiness. And then out of happiness almost comes joy. Because I think joy is a state of being and a state of mind. And then out of that flows everything else, gratitude, happiness, the whole thing. So it's interesting when you when you unpack all the words and you re- really find their heart meanings. I find that very interesting. So I am very mindful of your time, uh, Mr. Meltzer. So did you have any fears at all when you were working for the number one agency uh, and then 
after that moving towards losing everything and then having to build it back. So what were some of the fears that you had in your life and what would you recommend for a young person struggling with fears in their own life right now? What would you recommend to them? Yeah, so I practice ending fear and I have fears every day and I had a tremendous amount of fear. One was to tell, you know, Lee Steinberg and the Hall of Fame quarterback Warren Moon that I was bankrupt uh, wow. because I thought they'd fire me. You know, one of the things that you promised when you represent athletes is to take care of them that they won't go bankrupt. And I was the icon for, for financial success for the firm. Uh, so that worried me. Another thing that worried me was telling my mother, you know, uh, not only... Uh, was I the only one in my family ever to financially fail? But more importantly, I lost her house because I forgot. I bought my mom a house. The only reason I wanted to be rich, forgot to take it out of her name. Uh, but in my name. So I had to tell her that I went bankrupt and she had to move. Uh, so that, that was fearful. Um, but the practice of ending fear is a lifetime practice. And I uh, utilize stop, drop, and roll to practice ending fear. I always say, if you're not aggregating a list of identities to fear, meaning the need to be right, the need to be offended, separate and fear, superior, anxious, fearful, uh, you know, all these different ones. Guilty is another fear-based emotion. Mm. So once you can identify it, then you can get into practice to stop, drop down. I'm a ferocious Buddha that when I say drop down, what I do is use my free will to stop. That's ferociousness. Then drop is the Buddha. Take six deep breaths, calm down, get to the center or neutral then roll in the trajectory that I want to go into. And so I use uh, that uh, because when you're in ego-based consciousness, when you're afraid, mm. your mind, body, and soul are on fire. Oh yeah. So when you're on fire, you stop, drop, and roll. Mm. That's how I practice it. I've been practicing it for 13 years and it's put great efficiencies in my, in my life and great happiness and joy. Mm, that's really good. I have a couple more questions for you, if you don't mind. So one of them is you've been able to, speak to a lot of high profile, very rich, very successful individuals in business. You've been able to speak with celebrities as well. And have you noticed one commonality amongst them all that sort of sets them apart from each other or makes them all one? If, you, if, that, if that question makes sense. Yeah, that question is one of my favorites as well. Mm. Um, there is one common denominator between all hyper successful people, no matter if it's a rocket scientist, a hall of fame athlete, an entertainer, uh, key level executives. I, you know, you, I do a podcast called the playbook. I've had them all on there. It is, it, it, it is the attitude that they must be what they can be. That's the only common denominator. There's so many different nuances of math and English and whatever, but they all have a desire. They must be what they can be. Mm. And that desire is one which I try to instill and empower in others because I think that's the secret sauce to getting what you want in life. That's good. If you could go back to when it all started for you and tell yourself one thing, what would you tell yourself and why? Yeah, I would tell myself the same thing every year, every minute, every moment, because to me it was the greatest lesson that I've learned so far. It's called radical humility. Yes. <laughs> um, no, Deepak Chopra said to me last week, the greatest lesson that he's learned is called rule number six. Don't take yourself so seriously. I said, that's the same lesson I've learned mm -hmm. called radical humility. I put those two words as many places as I can on my nightstand, in my pocket, on my screensaver. Radical humility allows me 
to say, I don't know. Mm. I don't know and I need help. That's good. And so I live my life asking a series of questions, not only how I can be of service of value to everybody, but more importantly, everybody in my life, everything in my life is either a sponsor or a power sponsor. They're either someone that knows somebody that can help me or something that can help me, or they can help me themselves and they know somebody that can or something that can help me. So mm. I once I open up the universe, no gatekeepers, no resistance, no obstacles, voids, and shortages, just sponsors and power sponsors with radical humility, I remind myself every day that I'm living a humble existence mm. to be of service and to receive service. That's great. I have two sayings in my life, and the first one is be persistent to remain consistent, and I came up with that last year because without persistence, you won't be consistent. It's just one of those flow-on effects. And I also came up with this other saying that in failure, you learn humility. So don't be afraid to fail. But it's that constant being persistent and being consistent at failing to learn humility all the time. It's a daily reoccurrence. So I figured that out through my own failure. And that's where I've been more appreciative of life and be more grateful for what I have, be more grateful for the failures at the same time. So... I, I really appreciate that. That's awesome. It's like, yeah. the chicken, it's like the chicken and the egg, right? Like, I think you have to be consistent to be persistent. You have to be persistent to be consistent. It's the same That's thing. beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great analogy that I just thought of last year. I mean, one, one last question for you. You've reached the age of 100 and your friends have put together a mixtape of everything you've ever said and everything you've ever done. What do you want that mixtape to show and say? <laughs> that's easy but I'm going to live a lot longer than 100 I'm living at least to 111 I love it <laughs> I, I, wanted, I wanted to say be kind mm. and I wanted to display kindness that's it you know be kind and I wanted to display kindness and that's my legacy so shall it be mm. that's a f- perfect way to end our conversation David Meltzer thank you so much for your time sir and for coming on the Storybox podcast sharing your stories and your advice Really appreciate you. Thank you. Join my pre-trainings Friday, everyone. Thank you. Thank you, David. I don't like this part because it means that sadly, we have come to an end of yet another incredible story. I just want to say thank you to all of you for tuning in and listening to our guest today. It is my prayer that you would have felt inspired, motivated, challenged in some way, and that you would have learned something new as well. If you'd like to hear more amazing stories like this one, you can do so now by searching up the story box on any podcast platform. It's that easy. If you did get something from our guest today, please share it around to a friend or family member that you think could benefit from hearing this powerful story. And before you go, please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. It will only take 30 seconds and it will go towards reaching more people. Let's start changing lives through powerful stories like this one. Your support is greatly appreciated. Until next time, when we dive back into the story box, I'm Jay Phantom, and don't forget, your story is worth more than you know. I'll catch you next time. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. 